the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why are you here this morning? What is it that got us all out of bed on a Sunday morning? Maybe you had to get the kids up also, get dressed up and come to St. John's. I mean, there are plenty of other things that we could be doing right now. I see them all the time on my friends' Instagram posts. Hashtag Sunday Fun Day. What is it that got you to come here this morning? What is it that made you prioritize acolyting or Sunday school over sports practice or games? Because your parents might also be here and they expect you to be here too? Is it so that other people will see you here? Maybe it's because you came here this morning expecting to get a warm fuzzy. Maybe hear Jesus talk about love and acceptance. But if that's the case, you're probably a little disappointed this morning. The message we hear from Jesus in this morning's gospel is a hard one to hear. The message we hear might even cause us to question why we're here. A year or two ago, I was preaching on the Sunday before the 4th of July, which is a major feast day in the Episcopal Church. And I closed my sermon by quoting a few verses from the book of Deuteronomy that was appointed in our lectionary as one of the readings for Independence Day, which was just a few days away. And what I quoted was, The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now I thought by using this little bit of scripture in my sermon that I was just reinforcing a basic Christian concept. Love your neighbor as yourself. And most people in the congregation got that and they agreed. But when the service was over and I was standing in the back of the church shaking hands, I had people come up to me furious, fuming that I would mention providing strangers food and clothing from the pulpit. How political, they said. Why would you ever mention this in church? Now, I'll be up front with you and tell you that I do not give political sermons. I will always preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And if that gospel message happens to relate to something political in your mind, maybe God's trying to tell you something. There were members of my church who were furious that I preached on loving strangers and giving strangers food and clothing. It was a jarring reminder to me that preaching and living out Jesus's message of love and inclusion is not and has never really been an easy thing to do, even after 2,000 years of trying. In our gospel this morning, Jesus lays this fact out in some pretty harsh language. 
The message we hear is Jesus bringing fire to the earth. Not pretty clouds and rainbows, but fire. And his theme appears to be not one of unity and togetherness, but of separation and divisiveness. For you see, Jesus knew that his message was so radical then that it was not going to be easily received. His talk of not only loving all of our neighbors as ourselves, but also praying for our enemies would be a hard one for people to hear. His talk of upsetting the status quo of power and influence from the rich and the powerful to the weak and the poor was not going to go over well. But the fire he speaks of bringing to the earth is not the fire of destruction or desolation, but is instead the fire of cleansing, of purification, of burning out the underbrush, the fire of baptism. The divisions that we hear, son against father, mother against daughter, these are generational divisions, divisions between the old and the new, the old, comfortable, established way of thinking and the new radical, unfamiliar mindset. And remember, Jesus at this time was in his mid-30s, and the people that followed him were probably the same age, maybe younger. Today, his ministry might be seen as some kind of youth movement, and we know throughout history how most youth movements have been viewed. Just think about the Beatles, rock and roll, or even more relevant today, the March for Our Lives, or even the demonstrations in Hong Kong. These waves of change are often surrounded by skepticism and even fear. The fear of the unknown, the fear of what if, can be powerful obstacles to change. In his graphic and jolting way, Jesus is telling us that things will probably appear to get worse before they appear to get better. In the letter to the Hebrews, we hear, we hear about those throughout history who have chosen in their lives to follow God. We are even given a heads up as to what we might expect if we choose to model our lives in the way Jesus tells us to. Those who have come before us have faced some pretty serious reactions from their societies. Torture, mocking, flogging, imprisonment, even being sawn in two. You name it, it happened. Yet these martyrs persevered to the end. The author of the letter says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses by which to model our lives and to gain strength and encouragement. And just think about it. There's a reason we name churches after the saints. We strive to emulate them in some small way and to gain strength from their powerful witness throughout history. Just as Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected, and just as we, through our baptism, are joined with Jesus on the cross and are born into his resurrection life, there are things in our lives which we must let die before we can fully move into our new life in Christ. And there are things in our world, there are ideas, 
stigmas and stereotypes in our world that must be allowed to die before this world can move fully into the kingdom of God. And yes, there will be pushback, and it will cause division. There might even be pushback in here right now, and that's okay. As we go forward, living into the promises we made at our baptism, living into the promises and graces we receive here at this altar, as we leave this building this morning and go out to be the church in the world, it will be hard. But if you look around this room this morning, this is why we are here together right now. The neighbor on your left and the neighbor on your right are all striving to do the same thing, to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. This community is where we are empowered to join that great cloud of witnesses. This community is where we are nourished spiritually and sacramentally so that we can run with perseverance the race that is set before us. This is our calling as followers of Jesus Christ, and with God's help, we can go forth from here and be the body of Christ in our world.